500. And this one is hit a ton out to right center field. Forget it. Marquez doesn't even go after it. Eric Hosmer onto the perch beach in right center field. That might be the longest home run we have seen him hit in a Padre uniform. His seventh of the season. 1-0 San Diego in the first. 2011, here's the second pitch, and there's a dry right field. Way back! This is a no-doubter! <laughs> Rafa Anakaye breaks the 2-2 tie. San Diego 3, the Braves 2. I miss Ted Leitner. Ted, get back, get get healthy, feel better. But Mark Grant is cracking me up on some of these radio calls right now. He is just having a ball in the booth. Welcome to uh, Gwen and Chris, Crisello, and uh, again today. We had him yesterday. So happy to have him back again today. Tony's coming back from New York after his big appearance last night. Looking good out there on the uh, MLB draft. We got the coach John Contreras sitting in. Until 6 o'clock. Coach, how are you? Doing well, Chris. Uh, very happy to be here. And uh, it sounded like everything went well uh, with uh, Tony Gwynn Jr. yesterday. And uh, he had to be uh, back uh, sometime later today. And uh, I would imagine he'll be uh, broadcasting that ball game tomorrow. Remember, we got a 1240 start tomorrow. We're on early tomorrow, or the ball game's on early. Then we're on after the game tomorrow. Uh, actually, big show tomorrow night. Uh, you Huge be- show. Well, you're going to do the post-game show for right. us. And then... I figure by the time you're done, you know, waxing prophetic about the a Padre sweep of the Atlanta Braves, we might get on the air about six o'clock tomorrow night. <laughs> but uh, we are broadcasting live. Don't forget, Tony and I uh, from Alesmith uh, tomorrow evening, uh, Alesmith Brewing Company uh, in Miramar, and uh, we are giving away all kinds of stuff. Uh, it's just incredible. Padre tickets, uh, Lululemon gear. I'm going to be wearing Lululemon gear. Scraby is very excited about that. So by many the way. people have asked me about your yoga pants. Yeah, well, you'll get to come on by. Wearing yoga pants. He told you that yesterday. <laughs> but they to... keep asking him to wear yoga pants. They want yoga pants. That'll be the next time he goes out. There. Maybe the next time I go out there. And plus, the first ninety-seven people to stop by, of course, were ninety-seven point three. Thus, the ninety-seven. You see the connection there. Our promotion people are pretty sharp, Coach. They come up with this stuff. Uh, first ninety-seven people are going to get a family four-pack of tickets to. The Fans Night at SeaWorld. So that's sweet. I went on the new ride at SeaWorld, by the way, a few weeks ago. Did you? Nasty. I mean, good nasty. Like, is nasty is an okay word to say? Like, uh, Is that okay, Bo? Bo's our intern. He's from the University of Missouri. I got to check in with Bo on everything if I say something that I think is cool. Because I really personally don't know whether it's cool unless... Usually Tony gives me a thumbs up. But you, I, I have to go to Bo. Well, I heard uh, the reason uh, Tony's taking an extra day off, he got tired of giving you a thumbs up. Tired of giving me too many thumbs up. Probably a very, very fair comment. Uh, but uh, anyway, we look forward to seeing everybody tomorrow night at Ale Smith Brewing Company. Uh, I'll be there around 3 o'clock, 3.30 in the afternoon, and we'll be there all evening broadcasting the program live following Padres baseball. Speaking of Padres baseball, last night, Coach... <laughs> loving this, loving what they did. They knocked Julio Teheran onto the disabled list. I mean, that's what the Padre Bats did. If you didn't see it today, Julio Teheran of the Braves went right onto the disabled list. I believe it was a sore neck, was it not? It very well could have been. <laughs> From turning around, watching those balls sail out of the yard. Eric Hosmer hit one to uh, Mira Mesa off him. Spangenberg went deep off him. Rafi Lopez, that home run that he hit, and Mark Grant, went crazy on i mean that's that's a that's an all-star pitcher right there he's been a couple all-star teams they took him deep three times last night coach yeah, and, then for they, the fans. and then they pounded on the 
That's it. Well, he he did go on the DL today, and it wasn't. Uh, it might have been a little bit of a stiff neck uh, from <laughs> snapping it around so quick. But uh, they said he had a right thumb contusion. Oh, whatever. And, it, and it, you know, he may have gone into that game uh, a little bit banged up last night. But how about the guy that they brought in behind him, Gohara? Oh my goodness gracious! I could have got nine drunks out of my dad's bar to pitch better than that guy. He Luis, was awful. Luis Gohara comes oh, into the game goodness. last night and uh, goes two thirds of an inning, gives up. Four doubles, a triple, and a walk in seven batters. I mean, it was unbelievable. Oh, balls were going like anti-aircraft around the ballpark. It, it, the Padres were just hitting line drive after line drive. And i got to be honest with you. I don't. Who's the manager of the Braves? Brian, Brian Snitker. Sn- Brian Snitker's got to wake the hell up. I'm sorry. You cannot have a young guy like Gohara come into a ball game Oof. and give up double, triple, double, double, and then leave him in to give up double, double. I mean, you got to realize the kid had nothing last night. Zero. Do him a favor. Get him out of the game before he hurts himself. Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, he gave those hits up quick, too. Quick. <laughs> and that's probably what uh, Snitker would say. He'd probably say, look, I just didn't have anybody time to get anybody loose. It well, happened so Snitker fast. Well, maybe Snitker was a little bit tired. Like the, Maybe the Braves were a little tired. That big cross-country trip that we talked about yesterday. Maybe the skipper was over there all at Tommy Lasorda sleeping in between innings. He might have been taking a snooze. That's the only thing I can think of. That's terrible, man. Managing right there by Brian Snitker, not just because the pitcher was struggling and you should have taken him out, but because you got a young guy, young guy, you do not want to wreck his confidence, and he's just getting lit up. I mean, he comes into the ball game, first pitch he throws, Hunter Renfro hooks a double down in the corner, then he gets a sacrifice fly, then Spangenberg triples, Lopez singles, he walks Clayton Richard. Jankowski doubles, Hosmer doubles. I'm like, when is this manager going to come out and take this poor kid out of the game? He leaves him in and Perella gets a double. And by the way, that was my favorite play of the whole game last night. You can you can talk about all four home runs. You can talk about the pitching of Clayton Richard, which was excellent again. He hustled. I loved what I saw out of Perella on that play. He That was a single, Coach. Sure you it know it was. It was a line drive to right field for a base hit. Right fielder came in, fielded it, made a good strong throw to the cutoff man. Perella never stopped going. And Ozzie Albies made a rookie mistake. I mean, the second baseman, either he made a mistake or... His teammates made a mistake by not letting him know that the runner was coming because he caught the throw, would have had time to easily throw out Perella at second base, but he didn't know to throw. Well, so that's just, but I like that. That to me shows me that I'm playing with confidence. I'm hustling. I'm making things happen. I got my pedal to the metal. That's exciting baseball. Well, Chris, yesterday I talked about Perella, and you know, everybody's saying, well, he hitting it home runs, but you know, Perella's a grinder. He's a guy that shows up every day, gives you everything he's got. Some days good, some days not all that good. But you know, that play last night exemplifies it more than anything else. That's who John or Jose Perella is, and that's why I enjoy watching him play personally. Well, I, I enjoyed watching the Padres play last night. Now, look, we, a four game win streak is that too much to ask? Can we get one four-game win streak? This is about the third or fourth time they've won three in a row. They've yet to get a four-game win streak. And, I, you know, look, everyone's. I was at the Padre Blood Drive this afternoon. By the way, congratulations to the Padres and the San Diego Blood Bank and for the people that came down and, and said hi, and I was down there hosting that a little bit uh, this afternoon down at Petco Park and, and, and people doing a great thing by uh, coming out and donating blood. But most of the people I talked to said that, asked me the same question. What should we do? We're the Padres. Should we should we trade or, or or should we be buyers? Buyers or sellers? Four and a half games out of first place, and and I'll tell you what I told them when we come back. 
Show's underway, Coach. Better be ready, baby. I like that radio tease. We're coming at you. You didn't quick. stay up last night thinking of that, did you? I just came ah, up with it off on. the top of my head. Just came up with it, Coach John Contreras, right over here. Tony Gwynn Jr.'s uh, on his way back from New York City. I'm Chris Ella. We are getting rolling until six o'clock today. It was a lot of fun yesterday, and I imagine it'll be pretty similar here today. Stick with us. We'll tell you what's coming up on the show as we get underway. It's uh, Gwen and Chris right here on your home for Padre baseball. 97.3 The Fan. Have you checked out the 97.3 The Fan SD website? You ought to make it a uh, priority. Bookmark it. Isn't that the, uh, not what you say, Scraby? Bookmark it? That is correct. Bookmark 973thefansd.radio.com. Uh, I did a blog today on there. so I, and, and you know what? It'll take you like two minutes to read it, but you'll get a crack out of it. Because everybody's got a mom that they've taken to a ball game before. It's and a I good told, one. It's and a good I told one. you yesterday about right, my, taking no. my mom to the ball game the other day. And she's still popping off about the grand slam that Hunter Renfro hit. She thinks she's responsible for Weren't it. Weren't you going back to the ballpark next homestand? That's my whole... The column is exactly about that today, is that she's available if anybody... She thinks she's now the good luck charm for the Padres, because she's been to one Padre game, and Renfro hit the Grand Slam as soon as she stood up and cheered. So she's taking credit for the victory, and now she wants to go to another game. So I'm I'm going to rent her out. If anybody, anybody wants to take... I really don't want to take her to too many more ball games, you know. My mom drives me a little crazy. Now you guys were sitting in a box the other day, right? Well, we were in pretty good shape. Yeah, huh? I don't like to. I don't like to give all divulge all that information. That's all right. It was. It was. But you know what? We were in a suite. We were in a suite, but there was no free food. So I Is want that, that right? known. That's a little different situation. When you get into the suite and they pile the free food on you, now you're really on to something. But uh, we were just in the suite filling space, basically. You know, you know what's interesting when I go out to those suites, and I, I've gone out to those for many years. Obviously, being in the radio business and yeah. visiting with clients and that, and I, and I really enjoy that. And yeah. I've kind of missed that relationship the last couple of years, and hopefully, I'll run into a lot of folks that I had relationships with for many, many years. But man, I still like to just watch the game. I know everybody. I, just like bugs, to watch the I know game. The, the suite's a tough place to really get into the game. But my mom didn't have a problem. She was fired up, and when he hit that grand slam, she took full credit. That's great. That, so, that's a great story. You know, my, my mom uh, left us uh, back in 2001. Yeah. She didn't miss a Padre game on really? television. Uh, John Cruck was like her all-time favorite Padre. <laughs> she loved John Cruck. Absolutely loved John Cruck. John Cruck was the every man's guy, right? I mean, everybody remembers his moment in the All-Star game. With right, Randy, Johnson. Randy Johnson threw yeah. the ball behind him, but John Cruck was a, what a perfect personality he was too for the what the MLB Network or ESPN or whatever he worked for. I guess for both. For yeah, he worked while. for both. He's really good. And now he's doing Philly games, I guess. Phillies. Yeah, he's, he's doing, doing the, the Phillies. Phillies. Stuff? Hey, let me ask you this: uh, You mentioned the All Star game. Who do you think right now is the Padres' representative? Brad Ooh, that's Hand. A good Eric question. Hosmer. That's a good question. You know, because the other day I asked Tony. Tony Jr., who I th- who he thought would who who would you vote for for Padre MVP right now? And I I would vote if I had a ballot right this minute. I'd vote for Travis Jankowski. And I know that seems crazy, but he wasn't there in April when the team was terrible. 
But when he got there in May and took over in a leadoff spot, this team has been pretty good. Yes, they and have. And his defensive play has been, you know, gold glove caliber. I'm not what saying he's going to win a gold ball glove. last night? I thought he was going to catch that ball. Uh, that was a weird one for he, him. He jumped, and he wasn't really all that close to the wall, and ended up going off his glove. Surprised everybody because he catches everything. Yeah, that was a little bit of a surprise. I, I didn't ask him after the game what happened on that play, but... But Jankowski's been outstanding. I don't think he'd make the all-star team because the all-star team, they only look at raw numbers. They don't really look at your worth to the team when they pick an all-star team. So, yeah, Brad Hand's going to be the guy that they choose. Hosmer's making a push. Hosmer's making a push. I mean, he's leading the league in doubles. I, I You know, I, he's certainly been the leader of this club. Getting on base uh, almost 38% of the time. Here's the problem with the Padres. You know they're not going to get anybody voted on. Voted on to the team. I mean, the Padres have been, the only. Are you, are the you only, trying to tell me something I haven't known for well, the many only, years? The, there's one Padre that I can remember in the history of baseball that ever got a vote from the fans, and that was Tony Gwynn. He got voted on every year. Everyone all around baseball loved Tony Gwynn, and he got voted on, what, 14 years in a row, 15 years in well, a row? Well, he only won eight batting titles. Yeah, it was a reason, there was a little reason why, I guess. But the Padres don't give enough, the Padres don't get enough national attention to get a vote. So it's going to come down to who is the manager this year? The guy from the Dodgers, Dave Roberts. Well, Dave Roberts, he may, he may give the He the knows Padres. the Padres a little bit. Matt Kemp right now is going to be in the All-Star game. How oh, about that, that? That doesn't make me happy at all. Doesn't make me happy at all. I I can't stand when guys play like an All-Star, play like an MVP. Come to the Padres, stink, then go back but to somewhere else. But really stink with the Padres? That one, the first year, the first full year, he had twenty three homers and drove in a hundred runs. He was the first Padre ever to hit for the cycle. I know that. That is correct. <laughs> he's he didn't do for the Padres what he's doing right now, though. For the die, he's leading the National League in hitting right now. I, I realize that. Come on, he also lost forty one pounds. Yeah, I would also say because I was down there quite a bit uh, that year. He was still not really completely healthy. He had a like a bad ankle. It had surgery on. He had a bad knee. Well, he, why do the Padres not... always have guys when they have a bad knee or a bad ankle? I don't know, but he still hit 23 homers and drove 100 runs. It's not like the Padres have a guy every year that drives in 100 runs. 23 and 100. It's exactly what he and had. And look at his numbers before they traded him. Uh, the following year, he had pretty good numbers. He went on and ended up with uh, like 30-something homers that year. 2016, he hit 35. Yeah. 23 with the Padres, 12 with the Atlanta Braves. Pretty good, huh? His numbers are better than people realize, I think. I think you're right, because I didn't think he did that well with the Padres. What did he hit for the Padres? 262. Yeah. Yeah, well, he's hitting 344 right now. It's about 100 points Well, I'll tell you what, after he got traded in 2016 to Atlanta... Look at Will Myers' numbers after uh, the rest of the year after uh, Matt Kemp got traded. Will Myers' numbers drastically dropped. Went down. Yep. Got to have uh, you. Got to have Kemp's presence in the lineup. But I, I didn't think he was a. I didn't think he really moved the needle for the Padres. Well, he wasn't the guy. I that, thought he put up some good numbers, and obviously he did. If you look at the raw numbers, they wanted him to be a leader, and he's not that type of guy. He did not move the needle. But, he but did you not know move what? The he moved the team. needle a lot better than James Shields did. I couldn't wait to see James Shields leave. <laughs> that didn't and, go too and he well. could take his skateboard with him. That didn't go too well. Oh, he's pitching great uh, there for the Shy Sox, isn't he? That's where you send guys when it's all said and done. That's like when your career's over. 
Who was the uh, oblivion? Who was the guy that the, didn't the Padres just trade somebody to the Twins or something like that? Some guy they just wanted to get rid of. Remember the, the char? I always remember the Chargers trading their great wide receiver John Jefferson to the Green Bay Packers because they were tired of negotiating. And that was the end of his career. And that was the end and of his career. He stays in San Diego. He ends up being a Hall of Fame wide receiver. He goes to Green Bay and he gets lost completely. in the shuffle because they had another guy that was uh, a talented guy, a guy that ended up in the Pro Football Hall of Fame by the name of James Lofton, who was better than he was yeah but when jj was here with dan fouts there was an unstoppable duo and jj wanted to renegotiate his contract every year and the chargers finally finally what happened is about the 14th year in a row that he wanted to renegotiate uh gene klein the owner said trade him to green bay he wanted like a hundred thousand dollars in gene klein well says, that's true no way it wasn't that much money well but, it isn't uh compared yeah. uh, now what these guys are making but the other thing that jefferson used to do and i know a little bit about jefferson because my uh dad's cousin larry Quintera, he was the guy that recruited jefferson to uh, arizona state and jefferson was from down in texas and they were worried that texas was going to get him even though they ran the wishbone with daryl royal and all those guys Dar- and Larry Quintero, he actually lived in a hotel in Texas for 30 days, keeping an eye on John Jefferson to make sure he would hold true to his commitment to Arizona State. But the other thing about Jefferson is when he was with the Chargers, he used to bring his own brown bag lunch every day because he didn't want to spend money out, you know, going to fast food places. Guys had to guys had to save up a little bit back in those days. That's why Jefferson always wanted more money every year. Gene Klein finally said, trade him to Green Bay. That's it. So anyway, Matt Kemp, yeah, he's having a fantastic year for the Dodgers. But back to your original question. How about Tyson Ross as an all-star? Not enough? Well, you know what? He's doing a good job. There's no question about it. But when you lump him in with the other starting pitchers. In big league baseball. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Brad Hand is is absolutely fantastic. And and he's been there last year. You know, Hosmer's got the national rep from, you know, being a part of the World Series champion of Kansas City. Boy, what do you think Hosmer's thinking right now? I mean, you know, a lot of people go, why did he sign with the Padres? Well, what's he going to do? Sign with the Royals? How bad is that ball club right now? They're terrible. I mean, look, here's the bottom line. The Padres are coming up on, what, the first, second week of June. I don't want to hear anybody tell me that they should be selling. I I mean, I'm reading stories today that there's teams interested in Jankowski. There's teams interested in Tyson Ross. Let them be interested. The Padres are four and a half games out of first place. Let's wait if, and see where this this long these long road trips go here over the next uh, twenty three out of twenty eight games. Twenty three out of twenty eight on the road. After that's over, then you can tell me what you're going to do. But if you make a trade right now and you deal off any of this team right now, even if you think you're getting a steal in return, I think you're sending the absolute worst message you possibly could ever send to your fan base. Well, l- you just can't let me do say that. This. Let me let me say that, and I agree with you on that, one hundred percent. But right now, going into this year, the Padres they wanted to be a five hundred team. That was kind of their goal. I think they haven't come out and said that publicly, but I've heard that's fair. You know, rumors to that effect, and you know, people have been talking. Hey, you know, we could be a eighty one and eighty one team this year, and this was before the season started. But now, with everything that has gone on in the division, I mean, I don't know if people have looked at the standings today. The Padres are four and a half games out of first place right now. That's it. Okay, I mean, I, I don't want them to start printing playoff tickets, but I will tell you this: this division. 
division is goofy enough right now, and the Padres are getting better rather than going in the other direction. If they were going to do anything, they got to get another starting pitcher in here because I have no idea who's pitching tomorrow afternoon. It may be Johnny Holstaff and Chris Ello coming in. Uh, you might be the opener tomorrow, and then I, you can get up to Ailsmith. I can't make it. I got. You might do be the, the Sergio Romo of the Padres tomorrow. I can't do it. I got to do the Ailsmith thing. Well, and I'm gonna we're going to start you. I'm going to have my you. Lululemon yoga pants on. I can't pitch with those. You can pitch one inning, and then you can get up the freeway, okay? You could be the opener. You could be the Sergio Romo tomorrow. Because you know what? I can't wait for Andy Green uh, either before the game tonight or after the Padres win, and we're looking for a sweep tomorrow. I can't wait to find out how he's going to piece this game together tomorrow. I think Ozzy Albies, Johan Camargo, and Freddie Freeman could hit me in the first inning? Uh, I think Albies and Camargo might have problems. Freddie Freeman might be laying in the weeds. Freddie Freeman may take me for a ride. Boy, that guy can hit. He was 0 for 5 last night. Ended his 16-game hit. hit streak. Ended his 16-game hit streak. Lined out to the wall in center field and last time up. bat. I was watching. I know. Ended his 16-game hit streak. Too bad for Freddie Freeman. Great for the Padres. No, that's my answer to anybody who asks. Should the Padres be sellers or buyers? They should be buyers until further notice. Let's get another starting pitcher in here. Let's really make a run for it. What do you say? Scare the daylights out of the rest of this NL West. This West is their team that's a walkaway team. I mean, the Dodgers have all kinds of problems. The Giants are uh, uh, slapping high fives in the Bay Area right now. Uh, KNBR, they all think they're going to win the pennant again up there because Bumgarner's coming back back. tonight. You know, in Arizona, you know, I can't stand Arizona. There's something about that organization that just grinds me. You know, I used to just hate the Dodgers. I hate the Diamondbacks even worse. More? I hate their uniforms, I hate their ballpark. There's nothing I like about that organization. What do you got against swimming pools? Well, I a like nice it. little swimming pool out there in right center. Well, I've never swam in it, though. I haven't either. My wife has. She went to a game there. Hey, Colorado's Colorado. You know how they are. They're not going anywhere. But I like Buddy. I love Buddy, too. But, I mean, he doesn't have a very good ball club this year. We're back after this. I'm Chris Ello. That's the coach, John Cantera. We'll keep rolling until 6 o'clock right here on your home for Padre Baseball 97.3 The Fan. You know, Coach, you and I have been doing this a long time. Chris Ella, the coach, John Cantera, coaches in for Tony today. And the one thing that I've always remembered and I always love working with you and is the fact that our breaks, the time we have between segments on the air, are funnier a lot of times than what we do on the air. <laughs> and we just we just went bananas for about the last five minutes while uh, Scraby was playing some commercials there because we were talking about why we really hate the Diamondbacks. And you said it. You said, I, I, I hate the Diamondbacks more than I hate the Dodgers. And that's really saying something in San Diego, especially for a guy like you. Yeah, Grow well, up gr- here. growing up as a kid. I mean, kid, you're, tra- you're taught when you're a five-year-old kid, you know, hate the Dodgers along with love the Padres. And you had to hate the Dodgers because the Padres are never in contention. 
So you need to spend your time rooting against the Dodgers. Well, not only that, I think if you go back in history, and you know, I was pretty young when the Padres, uh, you know, got their franchise. And you know, I remember going to Westgate Park, and my dad and brother would take me down to see the PCL Padres, Bobby Klaus, and Whitey Weedleman was. What do you mean you were young when the Padres got their franchise? I thought you were already re- in semi-retirement in no. 1969. No, no? I, I was at the first game. You know, and I'm very proud of that. I was uh, there the night they beat uh, Dick Don, Selma. Uh, Dick Selma threw a complete game, beat Don Wilson two, two to, to one. one. Houston Astros and Spezio hit the home run and all, yeah. all that good stuff. But, you know, I think the Dodgers, I think Walter O'Malley, if I'm not mistaken, he voted against San Diego getting a franchise. Because so, he thought they'd be too close to L.A. Yeah, and, and so that, that, that ball always bothered me. But I grew up, you know, in San Diego, and I hated the Dodgers. But the Diamondbacks... They were a team that came in, very arrogant. Yeah, they won a world title back in 2001. But, you know, we were talking about their uniforms and this and that and their ballpark. But really the thing that stirred it up was the night that Ben Davis in the eighth inning bunted and broke up Schilling's perfect game, and Bob Brenly started ripping this guy. It was a 2 nothing ball game. Ben Davis is trying to get on to get the tie and run to the plate, and after the game, Bob Brenly's like ripping this young major league player. You know what? I applauded Ben Davis. He was trying to help win a ball game that night. All right, so we're talking about that. We're going back and forth. We're trying to recollect the whole thing and play out the situation. We're telling Scraby about it. We're telling Bo, our intern, about it. And Bo comes up with the uh, with the call of Ben Davis's bunt against Kurt Schilling. Now, here's the great thing about this: oh, it's beautiful. if you're if you're a, at all a historian and a Padre fan, and it's not that many years ago. What is it, seventeen years ago? But here's the thing that you're going to love the most about this clip: <laughs> Jerry Coleman's making the call, and Jerry Coleman was savvy enough making this call to point out at the time that. Not only did Ben Davis just bunt and get the hit, but that there are some people that might be angry about it. Listen to the call from Jerry Coleman. This is 2001. Kurt Schilling's got a perfect game in the eighth inning at Qualcomm Stadium. We're ready to go now. Pitch on the way to Ben Davis. A chopper to second. Got to hurry up with it. No play. A base hit. Infield hit on the buck for Ben Davis. How do you like that? (laughs) I'll tell you what. From a macho standpoint, a lot of guys won't like that. Nope. To lay down a bunt when everybody's back and get a base hit and ruin a no-hitter will not go well in the fraternity of the uh, grown-up baseball players. But the hit's on. Davis at first. Here's Bubba Trammell. But Bubba Trammell. Bubba Trammell was coming to the plate. But, hey, look. Hey, he's a guy that hit over 25 homers one year for the Padres. The point is here is that Jerry Coleman understood the way baseball was. And we talked about this yesterday, that the whole game is different nowadays. That, you you know, you stick a ball in a guy's side if he does something like that. But, again, to go back to that moment in time, I, I still I, I kind of disagree with Jerry Coleman a little bit. Well, I think you got to get on base and try. If the Diamondbacks were stupid enough to let him lay down that bunt, which they did, then too bad. Well, I mean, you got to try to win the game. That's the number one priority. Well, Chris, first of all, it was an awful bunt to begin with. I was going to say, can I, you call that a bunt because it was it was like a pop up. I mean, he, he popped it over uh, Schilling. Schilling's head. I mean, yeah. Schilling come in and landed in front of the, the second, second baseman. baseman, landed and on the fly, yeah. and he was able to beat it out. Now, if it was five to nothing, six to nothing, that's a different story. Totally okay? agree with now, you. Now, I'll tell you another night. Uh, I was working. I was working as an usher. Yes, I worked as a red jacket guy. At 
out at San Diego Stadium when I was in college. I had my white shirt, I had my tie, and my red jacket, and my black slacks, okay? I'm up on the, the one of the upper levels the night Bob Ochenko was throwing a no-hitter against the L.A. Dodgers. I think it was, I want to recall, it was the seventh inning. Maybe we'll get Bo on that one as well. <laughs> he's, but he's, Bob Ochenko was it. a pretty good left-hander for the Padres. Sorry. Uh, and Garvey laid down a drag bunt down yeah. the third base line. Perfect drag bunt, beat it out. And the Dodgers rallied and just went crazy after that and beat Bob Ochenko. Won the game. That's right. So you could get mad at Garvey for laying down the bunt, but the bottom line is he helped spur his team onto a victory. I wonder how many people remember Bob Ochenko. Wow, there's about four people out there right now that are going, oh yeah, Bob Ochenko. There sure, might, coach. might only be three because the guy that used to sell newspapers and walk around with his hands up on the plaza level, I don't think he's with us any longer. I cannot believe that you were an usher. You would have had to be the worst usher in the history of Padres baseball. And I'm not, I'm only not saying that for any other reason than this. If you were an usher, Chances are, if I'm looking at the situation, you did nothing but watch the game. Well, I, I got which news means for you. that if somebody needed, you know, a little help or some attention with their seat or something had gone awry in the section, you were too busy watching the game. Well, I to can take tell you, my, my sections were always very well behaved and minimal <laughs> uh, maintenance after the first pitch. I also worked Aztec games. I was there the night in 1977. I was working the night when uh, Florida State came in and the Aztecs ran Florida State off the field. 41-16. And, and then the next day, I think it was the next day or one of the, the following Sundays, I worked at Charger Games. I hated working Charger Games. I mean, it was brutal when you got to break up fights between 55-year-old men that have been drinking since 8 o'clock in the morning and they're in the, late in the third quarter and the sun's baked them. I mean, that's rough. I mean, the Aztec games were fun to work. The pro games were just, it was like a wrestling match up there. Yeah, there were some crazy games. Crazy, crazy football fans. They're still crazy football fans. Come on. I took my wife to a Bronco L.A. Raider game one time. She's from Denver. She wanted to wear her Denver gear. Was it a John Elway jersey? Whatever it was. Probably I, an Elway jersey. I did not let her. Did not let her. It's the only time, first of all, it's the only time I've ever gotten away with telling my wife what she could or could not wear. <laughs> and secondly, the only time she ever listened to me. And the third, she was really happy she listened to me. Well, can I ask Because all that happened though? the entire game was fist fights in the stands at the right. Coliseum. Yeah, well, pro games are really pretty strange these days. Crazy. But, you know, I was just wondering if she disagreed with you. I was going to ask you how your back was because you'd have probably been sleeping on the couch for about a week. <laughs> Lori's she, tough. Lori's tough, but she, she knew on that one I was right. Not to wear the Denver Bronco gear to the L.A. Coliseum to see the then Los Angeles Raiders. Not a smart move. No. And she was very happy with uh, the fact that I told her not to do that. But, um, look, the Diamondbacks, there's reason to hate them. And that's the reason. And that was fun to hear Jerry Coleman. Good job, Bo. Bo, thumbs up. The kid from Missouri comes through. Finds the Ben Davis bunt from 2001. You know what's worse about that? That was in May of 2001. That was the year that the Diamondbacks went on to win the World Series. So to make it even worse, we had to hear Bob Brenly, you know, up on the 
podium at the end of the World Series talking about how great he was. Well, and he, I just hated the guy because he couldn't understand why Ben Davis laid down a bunt to try and win a ball game. You know, Bob Brindley had a very short managerial career. He's been in broadcasting now for many, many years. He's back with the Diamondbacks after spending a number of years with the Chicago Cubs, but he never got another managerial job, and I think uh, he would have liked to thrown that uniform on, but uh, I don't think he was uh, exactly a great tactician from what, uh, talking to some of the players in that dugout over the years. Is it possible that Robert Earl Brenly is the worst manager ever to win a World Series? I don't think that's fair. I think so. Really? Yeah. I'm not even going to do research. I'm just going to say because I don't like him that he's the worst manager ever to win a World Series. I kind Series. of respected him as a player, though, when he was catching for the Giants. He was kind of a tough, hard-nosed ball player. He's an all-star one year. One-year All-Star. Yeah, but you know, you don't have to be an All-Star to be a good ball player. No, he was a good ball player, but he was a, I think he was a terrible manager. He was. And he won the World Series, so that's my whole point. Well, I heard Mark Grace actually managed a lot of that ball club while he was trying to play first base. Well, I also think that uh, Randy Johnson and Kurt Schilling managed that ball club because they pitched every game for the whole season, and the, those two guys were unhittable back in those days. You know, I'll tell you a story. Uh, and it was uh, 98, I believe. We could look that one up. When Steve Garvey, checked, or not Steve Garvey, but Steve Finley, hits a grand slam off of a young kid at that time by the name of Felix Hernandez. Okay, I think it was Felix Hernandez. He was not the Felix Hernandez in Seattle, but another Felix Hernandez. And he had a left-hander warming up in the ball, uh, bullpen, Omar Dahl. Remember the old Dodger, Omar Dahl? He had him warming up, and he didn't bring him in to face Finley. Finley hit a walk-off grand slam, and the, all the Padre fans went home with a smile on their face that night. Bob Brenly won the World Series his first year as a manager. By the third year as a manager, he was 29-50 and 50 and fired. Might have been Felix Rodriguez. It was He was like a 21, 22-year-old kid, and Brenly left him out there to face Finley when he had a left-hander in the bullpen. There's a lot of reasons to hate the Dodgers, too, though, you know. Oh, I know. We could come up with about a half an hour's worth of stuff on that, too. Absolutely. I mean, come on. Tommy Lasorda right at the top of that list. <laughs> Tommy Lasagna. Felix Rodriguez. Felix Rodriguez it was, was Felix the guy Rodriguez, who he hit the yeah. grand slam off of. Oh, that was beautiful. And I'll never forget, Walk I was sitting off. up there at, at uh, Qualcomm Stadium. I'm going, why isn't Brindley going to Omar Dahl? I mean, he could bring him in. He lets that kid out there give up granny, and Finley sprinted around the bases. Finley's probably on his way right now to the ballpark. He's got a smile on his face right now remembering that night. Thinking back on that walk-off grand slam. Absolutely. That was one of the great moments of 98. Yep. There was a million of them. That was another reason that I liked beating the Braves last night. First meeting of the year in the 20-year anniversary season of beating the Braves for the NL pennant. So that was the first meeting last night. These guys that are playing for the Padres nowadays, they don't know anything about that kind of stuff. Well, I gotta but be it honest matters with to you. me. It means a lot to me to see the Atlanta Braves come in here and knock these guys off in the 20-year celebration year. Uh, i got to be honest. And, and you know, I, I don't, you know not a violent man, okay? But when you're on the diamond, you know, you get not. after it a little bit, you know, once in a while. But I, I still go, I get a smile on my face when I think in 1984 at Fulton County Stadium when the bench is emptied on that multiple times on that Sunday. I thought that was one of the great days in Padre history, to be honest with you. It's one of the greatest brawls in baseball history. And you know who's going to go look it up and find it on YouTube right now? Bo. Bo from the University of Missouri. Hey, do you know that when the Padres go to Atlanta every year, 
they played the video of that fight in the Padre Clubhouse? No. Yeah, they want the, the guys to know the history between the, the Braves and the Padres. To this day, they still play I that? I believe to this day they play that every year when they go in there. That's one of the greatest brawls in history. John McSherry, remember the old umpire? He was involved in that. John McSherry, rest his soul, right. I believe died umpiring a game. It was an opener in Cincinnati. Yeah. Many years after the brawl, well, had a heart attack. Yeah, during the game, he was a pretty big man too. He's a big fella. There was a, there was a day and age where umpires. I'm not going to say that the umpires out there right now are are all you know bodybuilders. They're not Jack Lalane. No, but there was a day when most umpires were really out of shape. Right, like almost every single one of them. And John McSherry was was a was a heavy set. Guy. He was about three bills. He was about three bills. Joe West is uh, Joe living up to that now. <laughs> Joe West is Joe West is Joe West is a toothpick next to what John McSherry. Wow, is. I can't even imagine that. John McSherry was who's the best big who's the be, who's your favorite umpire? My favorite umpire is it going to be the same one as I have? Probably Doug Harvey. Oh, uh, no, he's not my favorite. Who was yours, Nick Bremichen? No, Chris American Pelicudis. League, not Bill Haller. American League. Emmett Ashford made the. <laughs> Made the left-handed out call. Oh, Ken Kaiser. <laughs> How can you know that? Yeah, absolutely. He was a Ken, former wrestler, too. Ken Kaiser. And Bo's going to look him up, too, I bet you. He used to call guys out with the left hand. That's right. Every umpire in the history of the game has called you out with the right thumb. You know, once upon Ken a time... Ken Kaiser waved you out of there left-handed. Once upon a time, I was playing... Uh, I had just got my first college job at Miracosta, and I was playing one last summer. I was playing uh, semi-pro ball up in Escondido, and the umpire that um, was umpiring... Uh, Oh, I can't remember his name. Bill Deegan. He had been a 10-year American League umpire, and he was retired, and he was working the game, and I was playing first base. And he was trying to talk me into going to umpiring school. Because like, I think I would have been a really good umpire. I had umpired a little bit in high school and uh, you know, around town as a junior college coach in the summer to pick up extra money. I really enjoyed it. My dad had umpired for about 13 years doing high school and college here. Uh, I always really enjoyed umpiring. I mean, you got to know the rules, obviously. And sometimes when I watch some of these guys, uh, the their lack of anticipation on calls, uh, even at the big league level, some of these guys don't always hustle. Well, now they have the replay to fall back on, which I don't like either. And, oh, and we could argue about this, the replay. Look, I want every call to be right in a perfect world. But you know what? Do we Look have around. to replay We don't the first, live in a perfect world. Do we have to replay a, a, the second out of the first inning yeah. and slow the game down? Exactly. How, how about from the seventh inning on? Is that what you would do? Yeah. I would honestly like to see replay just wiped out completely. Well, I could. I'd very much like to see that, but it's not going to happen. I mean, how would Bobby Cox ever get ejected from all these games if they if he came back and they the had replay? The worst thing about having replay now is that you never get a good argument with a manager. Oh, never. they never go out on the field and argue. They no. just stand there and they hold their arm up. And then they look at it on the replay, and that's it. There's no argument when a guy obviously misses a call. I'm sorry. I you know what. I didn't ever like Tommy Lasorda, and I could go on to several reasons why not. Well, you got to cover but him for a while. That's the main reason. Yeah, I know. But when Tommy Lasorda ran out on the field to argue, that was must-watch television. Or much, I mean, you couldn't get out of your seat. You were going to stay there for the entire 20 minutes while he got his argument in. Those were great arguments. Earl Weaver, 
Arguing with uh, Ron guys, Luciano? They'd have those guys in uh, anger management classes now. Some of those arguments were the funny. Billy Lou, Martin? Lou Pinella used to throw his hat over the fence. Heck, Billy Martin got in fights with his own players, all of Reggie Jackson. I mean, but nowadays everything. No, there's a there's a close play at second base, so Andy Green sticks his arm in the air. But you know what that's caused, though, Chris? How was that? It's caused the, uh, the managers... To bear down harder on those ball strike, uh, and, and any time a guy gets ejected now, it's normally over arguing balls and strikes. Well, you're not allowed to argue balls and strikes. I know that, but so these guys can't argue anything, so they, they start chirping early. I think it's too bad that they've taken the arguments out of baseball. Absolutely. They, that's a great, that's a great Fans part. Fans love it. It was a great part of the game. And you know what? Every team got hosed on a call once in a while. You know, look, the 1985 Cardinals, they have all the right in the world to feel like they got hosed out of the World Series because Don Denkinger missed the call at first base on the play. All right, we know. Todd Worrell touched first base. He should have been out. They called the guy safe. The Royals won the World Series. Well, the next you night they beat him, what, 12 nothing. Joaquin Andujar, and he got ejected from that ball game. By Don Denkinger, yeah. because Don Denkinger was umpiring first base in game six. He was behind the plate. And then he went behind the plate for game seven, and the Cardinals were still ticked off at him from the night before. But my point is, I remember that. You know what I mean? That's part of the, the, the fairy tale of baseball, in my mind, is going back to the 85 World Series and remembering a disputed call that ended up changing the outcome of the World Series. I we don't we're never going to get that again. No. We're never going to get it again because in this world everything's got to be 100% correct. And we can go to the NBA finals and do the same thing and I'll take you to game 1 about 4 nights ago when Kevin Durant drives down the lane, LeBron James slides over to try and take the charge. Kevin Durant runs him over. They call charge. It's Cleveland's ball. Game over. Cleveland wins game one of the NBA Finals. And the officials on some loophole go to the replay and say, well, we wanted to see if LeBron's feet were in the restricted area. And they weren't. Which they clearly weren't. You didn't need to go to replay to see that. But they go do that because you know why? They had to get the call right. And they get the call. They change the call. They call it a block on LeBron. Durant makes the free throws. And this series is probably over now. I mean, this series is probably over now because... And I, and every Golden State Warrior fan will come up and tell you right now, well, they got the call right, didn't they? Yeah, to, you know what? Great teams will win and they'll overcome bad calls, good calls, against calls for... Make a call, and that's the call. Well, the only thing they should have been looking at is to see if he was in or out of the restricted area. He was out of the restricted area. It's a, a charging foul. We're going the other way. That's the what. That's what should have happened. That's what should have happened. And what didn't it win? But what happened was that they changed the call. They told the Cleveland Cavaliers, "Hey, we are looking to see if LeBron's feet were in the restricted area." So LeBron went over to his coach Ty Lue and said, "Oh, we're good." Because my feet were not in the restricted area. And Tyron Lue starts drawing up a play because it's going to be Cleveland ball up by two with 30 seconds to go. They're going to steal game one and win this classic NBA playoff game. Instead, the only thing we're going to ever remember about game one of this year's finals is the fact that the officials didn't have the guts to stick with their call. Well, that, that, that and J.R. Smith not knowing the score. That didn't help. That didn't help the ball club at <laughs> that all. That didn't help the ball club much either. <laughs> That's true. Look, I can I can live in a world where you miss a call. I can't stand it. You got to overcome a bad call here and there. I can't stand it in a football game when my favorite team or the team I'm rooting for scores a touchdown 
but I can't jump up and celebrate for about five minutes because I have to wait to see whether he juggled it in the end zone oh, or he hit the pylon or he had the ball over the Did arm. Did he break the plane? Did he break the plane? They got to go back and look at it on replay. Then Ed Hockley rolls his sleeves up and comes out and tells me 10 minutes later, okay, you got a touchdown. He retired. Well, I'm just saying I used Ed Hockley as an example. But his son got hired, Sean Hockley. Is he strong? Yeah, he's pretty strong. Isn't it amazing how many uh, football officials now have some biceps because of Ed Hockley? Huh? <laughs> well, they were embarrassed. Maybe Ed, hey, he lives here in San Diego. Maybe he'll make a comeback with the Alliance of American Football. Are you excited about the Alliance of American Football? <sighs> Thank you for that, Cy. That's pretty much Did all you have I Mike Martz on last week? No. You didn't? No. Well, can we get Mike Martz on and find Dan out Cilio what he wants did. to do? Dan Cilio did. Cilio had him on. That's yeah, we're going to ask different questions than Cilio does. That's good enough. Huh? That's plenty. I, you know, Coach, you're not going to like this because you, you were the guy that was, you ran the soccers for, a minute, for several years. Yep. And I shouldn't like this because I was the voice of the Gulls for, what, 10 years? But I'm a little tired of San Diego bringing in minor league teams. I really am. We should be a major league city. I agree. And it just kind of irks me that, you know what, we lost the Chargers, and now we're going to replace it with a minor league team, and we're supp- I'm supposed to be excited about that. I can't do it. And this is not anything against the people that are bringing the team in, and I, you know, I wish them their success, and the people that love football go see some games and all that. But this is San Diego. We should be a major league city. I'm tired of the fact that we're not. Well, we got to build some new uh, new uh, venues. I mean, you need a new sports arena, and then you can go after an NHL team if you want to try and bring an NBA team back. Uh, you know, we'll find out. Uh, you got to build a new stadium, and you know, I'll, I'll be honest with you. Neither one of these proposals exactly uh, float my boat. That they're talking about Soccer City and the one for San Diego State. I actually like the Soccer City one a little bit better than I, I like the San. San Diego State one, but neither one of them are, are what we need. I mean, if you're going to build a 30,000 or 35,000 uh, uh, seat stadium, you're basically, and they're saying, well, we can, we, you know, if you're going to build a stadium, build it, okay? Don't, don't tell me you're, you can expand it because that'll just be piecemealed again. If you do that, then forget about bringing an NFL team back here. Forget the NFL, it. I, I don't think the NFL is ever going to come back to San Diego. Well, I think if we I, had I someone that, that had uh, you know deep pockets uh, and wanted to bring a team to San Diego, how about Joe Sy, the man that's bringing the national lacrosse team in here, the the San Diego Seals? He's got like what eight hundred and seventy million dollars or something. Well, he owns a lot a lot of businesses. He's uh, involved with Alibaba. Uh, <laughs> Okay, the financial stuff. You know what I'm talking about, okay? You just like the way I said Alibaba. I do, yeah. Okay. (laughs) But you know what? He owns like 49% right now of the Brooklyn Nets. Okay, he has the ability over the next two years, I guess, the first right of refusal to where, you know, he could buy the whole thing. Now, I don't know if he'd bring that NBA team out here, but where's he going to bring it to? Is he going to bring it to Bing Crosby Hall up there at the Del Mar Fairgrounds, <laughs> or are you going to bring it to the Valley View Casino Center? I mean, I got to bring a new ball club to one of those venues. I'm sorry. <laughs> Did I you saw just the Globetrotters say, at Bing just, Crosby Hall. I, I saw the Globetrotters there in 1964 when I was a little kid. I saw Goose Tatum. You all right? 
I don't think he is. No, I'm well, not you're right. right. You're talking about an NBA game at Bing Crosby Hall. Oh, wait, wait a second. Wait a second. <laughs> you remember the referee in the NBA, Paul Mahalik? Yes. You remember that name? Yes. Okay, one year when the games were on ABC, they shot that like that. They had that um, that contest, that horse contest. Remember with Bob Lanier and Pete Maravich uh, and a bunch of those guys. They shot all of that at Bing Crosby Hall because the the uh, floor they had up there at that time they had bought from the Phoenix Suns. I played JV basketball and freshman basketball actually in Bing Crosby Hall, but they used to, to bring the Globetrotters in there, and then they also uh, shot the NBA uh, a horse competition there. There's, I guarantee we're losing some people in terms of people out there going, what are they talking about? Well, they're about? learning some history. But A, if you pay attention, you're learning some history. B, there's a ton of people out there that are laughing so hard right now that they have to pull over to the side of the road because they remember exactly what you're talking about. It was the Vitalis one-on-one NBA challenge, and each team had two players represented in the one-on-one tournament, and you played up to 20, and it was played at, I didn't know it was played at Bing Crosby yeah. Hall, though. Paul Mahalik was the referee. <laughs> I wonder if he's still alive. i got to look that one up. Bo, get on that one. Scraby, you got to bring this show back to some sense of normalcy. We'll try to do it when well, we Let me get back. in my time machine. Do what you can do. We'll come back. Four o'clock hour. If it's any crazier than the first one, we're all in for a treat. I'm Chris Ello. The coach, John Cantera, has gone off the deep end, and I love it out there with him on uh, your home for Padre Baseball, 97.3 The Fan.